0: Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL, most valuable listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.
1: And I knew when I had that reaction out of my mom, I was like, "Oh my god, I have something." It was like the most epic like amazing, star-blasting moment. And since then, it's just gone off. And I've just been so passionate about it since then, because I really feel like Real Mood's going to fix a whole entire content creator economy society.
0: Three, two, one. My name's Espri Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi,
1: this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories
0: are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world remember to go to the women in tech facebook group at women in tech vip.com that's women in tech vip.com the best business resource i have is my mentor's private facebook group i've never found a community that cares more about one another's success it inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created getpodcastlisteners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out getpodcastlisteners.com. That's getpodcastlisteners.com. This personal spot is dedicated to Danny Miranda, who was kind enough to have an amazing conversation with me this week when I when I hit like a low moment and he just reminded me and this is so cliche but also so not the importance of the journey not the destination and I know we've heard this before Danny Miranda is a podcaster and he's absolutely amazing check him out on Twitter hey Danny Miranda And he truly, um, like, falls in love with the journey of life. And he was talking about, like, think about it. In a few years from now, like, if I have a a lot more status and I'm, you know, uh, have a a really crazy, busy schedule, like, I may not have the time to connect with friends the way I'm connecting with friends right now. And that's a blessing that I have that time. So in each chapter of our lives, we have these little fortunate opportunities opportunities that maybe we're not recognizing. Like, yeah, maybe we don't have the accolades or the, the status we want yet, but yet we have this other opportunity. And then later when we're in a different chapter, we'll have different opportunities. And so in every single moment of our journey to take that time to recognize, like, the blessings that we have right now, the opportunities that we have right now, and really being grateful for those and appreciating those. Like, if we're an entrepreneur, yes, it's stressful to, like, be a founder, to be an entrepreneur, but at the same time, how cool that we could invent our own schedule. And with inventing our own schedule, shouldn't we make that time to, like, go outside, take a walk? like? dedicate that 15 minutes to a friend, whatever it is, like what opportunities do we have because we have this flexible schedule? Or if it's a kind of situation in our lives, maybe we're single and like, maybe you have the dream of like being in a relationship, but while you're single, what are the different kinds of things that you could enjoy on your own that maybe when you're in a partnership with with your romantic partner, you won't have the same kind of opportunities. So, I mean, just thinking about and falling in love with the journey and all the little like moments of the journey, That was just such a great, great reminder and also like state of awareness that he brought to my attention. So I appreciate him. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Chantal from Los Angeles. Hello.
1: Hey, hey, hey. What's up, party people?
0: And did I say your name right? Chantal. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. Like Sean is tall. Chantal. Perfect.
1: But you know, I really don't care how you
0: say it as long as it's right on the paycheck. (laughs) 100%. I agree with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. My name is
1: Chantal Anderson. I am a entertainment industry professional. I've been working in the industry for pretty much 12 to 15 years. Recently, I um, have migrated into the tech industry. I created a startup called Real Mood, R-E-E-L-M-O-O-D, and pretty much we're the first live streaming platform on using blockchain technology to help monetize content creators and artists. And I say artists because this is not a platform for the gamers of the world or the video beauty bloggers of the world or you know, bakery people of the world. This is literally for artists, people that um, are inspired by different art, visual, creative art, music arts, and to come together and put out high quality projects and monetize off of that.
0: I mean, I have so many questions for you. Before we even get into the journey of how you became interested in technology and into this whole crypto world, can you give us, like, I mean, you know from when we DM back and forth, even though I'm super immersed in tech, I just... I kind of bypassed crypto and now I feel like I'm behind. And I think there's so many people like me that they're like, what is this world? What are you talking about? What's an NFT? What's the blockchain? So can you give a really short kind of dumbified one liner so everyone can stay on flow with you as we have our conversation? Blockchain. Blockchain is
1: literally a record logger of all the transactions that happens on a certain type of payment platform. So you've heard the words Ethereum, you've heard the words Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like a huge logger that tracks every single Bitcoin transaction. And transactions meaning sending Bitcoin, receiving Bitcoin, trading Bitcoin, swapping Bitcoin, there's just one huge ledger and that blockchain helps run those transactions. And so when I say we are using blockchain technology, we're using a blockchain called Binance Smart Chain and they're going to be our main provider for letting people monetize off the platform which is receiving real new tokens sending real new tokens and also allowing people to buy an nft i'm sorry that wasn't really short but hopefully that helped
0: <laughs> no that actually was short but can you get a little bit into nft like it's so difficult to truly digest what an nft is like i i Sort of get it, and I also completely don't get it at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's I think it's because people, when they explain NFTs, they start at the technical part first. What I like to do is I like to make it relatable. And so, when you were a kid, did you ever trade like Pokemon cards, Yu cards, baseball cards, or maybe even like Polly Pockets or like? Nokia phones, anything that you remember as a kid that you used to collect and trade, right? So they were they were a big thing. They were a big commodity. And you and if you were a hustler, or if you knew the value of buy and sell and trading, you would, you would sell your collectibles, the things that you considered a prized possession that you knew would have a valuable worth at the end of the day. Now think of that whole entire concept in a digitized platform. Um, an NFT is basically a digital fungible token that allows you to put blockchain technology and crypto behind a piece of art or a piece of collectible so that's why you'll see a huge trend in like the nfl creating sport nfts it's like literally re-giving that baseball collection that baseball card emphasis back but only in the digital world to help encompass the new blockchain technology that everyone has so now you can trade nfts and you can hold them in a digital wallet just like how when you were a kid you would trade baseball cards and put them in the little plastic slots in a binder. Now think of all that digitized. And that's pretty much what an NFT is putting blockchain technology and tokens behind your piece of art.
0: You totally got me because I used to collect baseball cards. So that works. My friend Danny Miranda, who's an amazing podcaster, he posted a tweet the other day saying 10 years ago, if you were paying attention to social media, you were on the inside and you understood the future. And today, if you're paying attention to crypto, you're on the inside and you understand the future. And I really my gut is he's right. That's why I feel like I really need to like step up my game and get more plugged in because I'm definitely not on the inside of what's going on in the crypto world. And I love that you are, and I love that your company is. So let's dial it back now to like the purpose of the show, which is like celebrating your journey and how you got to where you are today. So where did you fall in love with technology and, and not just technology, but in your case, and then crypto?
1: When I was in college, I actually used to work for Apple, and I like to say under the Steve Jobs era, because I actually had to go to Cupertino, get trained. Um, I was an Apple uh, campus representative, and that was a combination of both marketing and sales. And I was the first of its kind on my college campus. So it was a huge undertaking, and I was responsible for increasing the Apple sales on our campus, which we did. And we shot through the roof by like 10%, which was amazing because to me, that just meant more Apple products. (laughs) But yeah, I kind of started my professional career into technology when I was in college. But you know, when I was uh, 10, I built my first computer by myself. Um, I'm a product of an only child. So when you leave only kids by themselves, they have nothing to like do except just play around with stuff and Uh, My mom would just go to Comp USA. I don't know if anyone remembers that store, but like she would take me in the aisles and she would just let me pick out whatever I wanted and I'd bring it back home. I built like my first McDaw system and I think it was like Windows 95 at the time. So I would just like get a tower and I knew how to get the hard drive and I would know where to put like the dial up because it was dial up back then. So you had to get the dial up modem and you had to make sure not to touch like the circuit breaker or it was going to ruin. It was like a whole thing back then. But <laughs> I would say my first journey started there and I've always been involved in like tech and video games as a kid. I was like a secret hidden nerd. but I was too ashamed to like be projecting about it. So it was like my secret hidden life. But <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of started off with there. My family's also really big in like tech or engineering, so I've always seen it around me. I just never really delved into it, but I always secretly in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be like a software engineer or or something within that scope. And then I just kind of got swept away in something else. But yeah, I've always been involved in or had a passion for it for sure
0: your story is amazing because you're like, yeah, I wanted to get involved in it, but I didn't really get involved in it. But yet I was building computers when I was 10 years old. What are you talking about? You were totally involved <laughs> in it from the time you were, into, you were 10. Yeah. What I mean, like
1: I didn't really like go through with it. I just kind of like, it was like a hobby for me just to like be able to do stuff. Like my mom would like go to work and she'd like I'd be home and she would leave me at the computer and still come back. And I was still at the computer. So like, <laughs> It was like night and day. So um, yeah, I, I was just surrounded by it. And it was like my thing. It was like my hobby as a kid. It was like computers and anime, like and video games, like that was the thing.
0: Okay, so you worked at Apple, and then you started to get professionally immersed in the tech space. And then at what point did that lead to the crypto world?
1: So after I worked from Apple, and I graduated, I actually got a into the entertainment industry, like instantly and from there I kind of just navigated my way working like different shows and with different people Um, just recently was one of the co Ps for Cardi B's show on Facebook watch and that was like my last show that I just did um, before I really put myself full time into a real mood crypto i've been involved in into since 2017 wait, wait wait
0: wait that was a little bit too fast for me you're just i like how you just breezed over that i was the ep on cardi b and anyway another news like what <laughs> share with us a little bit like that's amazing congratulations
1: Thank you. No, it was, um, it was really fast. It was like, really like, we need you. And I was like, Oh, real mood. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, no, it was really fun though. She's such an amazing person to be around. I love her energy and she is so smart. Um, that woman is business minded, smart. She's go getter motivated. And like anyone that works around her will definitely understand what I'm talking about because she just oozes like she's just so savvy. And she's also just a great person and great energy to be around. And the crew and everybody was really cool to be around, too. Um, but it was it was just a fun project. We can't release too much but until all of it's out. But we, we had a lot of different excursions. She tries different things. And we have a bunch of different celebrity guests. That came onto the show also and yeah yeah i mean you guys will definitely see it like because we have an eight episode order one of the episodes is already aired um so yeah you'll definitely see it this fall for sure
0: so cool and then okay so so you get that but you're like i want to get back to my my passion real mood and so what happened there
1: yeah so i've been involved in crypto since 2017 i was like a crypto trader so i had a couple things here and there i think the first thing i ever bought was bitcoin i slowly got ethereum and it was like it was small because i was starting to really understand and learn it then the pandemic happened and i think just like you or anyone else we kind of got a lot of free time on our hands and really started to get into other different things my my whole thing was blockchain technology i actually spent hours watching nothing but youtube videos going to like virtual conferences and just learning and soaking myself up into it. And then something happened in my brain. And I promise to God, I'm looking i never said I was going to write a book. But now I want to write a book because I, I it's like, I can't remember is that this happened yesterday. But like December twenty third, <laughs> I was sitting down and I was watching something on YouTube blockchain wise, and I have to go back and find the video. But one of the speakers said something about like it was in regards to like building infrastructures all over again, using the favorite things you use again and being able to fix a problem and repurpose something that hasn't worked and being able to rebuild it using blockchain technology. And it was right after like the whole Black Lives Matter movement. And then there was also content creators being mad that they weren't getting monetized and real RealMe was already a thought in 2020 and then something happened where i was like oh my god real moon needs to be on the blockchain <laughs> like i was like real moon needs to be blockchain and the first person i told was my mom who's like almost 60 and i was like mom mom i have this idea like real moon's gonna be on blockchain and i was telling her about it and my mom who hears so many of my ideas, because I'm such an entrepreneur, for the first time ever, she actually listened to what I said and she was like, wait a minute, say that again? Like, wait, what? And I knew when I had that reaction out of my mom, I was like, oh my God, I have something. It was like the most epic, like amazing star blasting moment. And since then it's just gone off. And I've just been so passionate about it since then because I really feel like Real Mood's gonna fix a whole entire content creator economy society.
0: So tell us, how did you describe it to your mom and why do you think it will fix the content creator economy? But first, how did you describe it to your mom?
1: Um, Yeah, because I had my mom into crypto a little bit, so I had to kind of uh, really, really uh, dumb it down a little bit. But I, I basically told her, I was like, mom, okay, so think of Real Mood, live streaming platform where people come on and they monetize, they earn money. But instead of earning money, like how we think of U.S. dollars, fiat, they're earning crypto. And the reason why it's great is because it's teaching people financial literacy at one point, And then they're also growing their earnings that they're holding within their, their crypto wallet. And that's something that YouTube can't promise because, A, YouTube was created and built for advertisers not only the mindset of content creators, but real mood will be the first platform that's in design for content creators where you don't need advertising in order to support the platform. You use crypto and blockchain. And she was like, "Wait, hey, that's genius. I was like, and their money grows. <laughs> so, you know, like one day you can earn X amount and another day you could be XX amount, you know? So she heard that and she was like, that's like amazing. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it.
0: <laughs> so here I am a year almost a year later. I mean, I feel like you just shared that how it solves things for the content creator economy. But was there something blaringly painful for you to see within our contour creator economy that you're like, oh, it pains me that that creators can't XYZ. And I'm so glad real mood is going to solve this for us. Yeah, I don't know if a
1: lot of people know this because uh, especially you, I don't even know if you would know this um, because we're based in North America, but there's a huge geo blocking of countries right now that doesn't have the opportunity or the ability to live stream or monetize off of YouTube because Google geo blocks them and doesn't allow them to monetize. So some of the content creators that you see on TikTok or YouTube actually have to heavily rely rely on advertisers. And sometimes advertisers won't partner with them because of where they're from. So sometimes there's actually content creators that are super talented and have that knack and they have those views that are just getting completely shut out by big tech companies because they're not in the location due to maybe regulations or maybe government restrictions, whatever that might be. Blockchain technology, obviously, you already know, like it already fixes so many different things surpassing government like regulation because it's a people's platform where it's peer to peer and the people govern it not banks so uh yeah th- that was one of the biggest things to me where i said and i don't want to use a specific name but there's a content creator that brings in three million views on three different platforms so they bring in one million views on youtube a million on facebook and a million on us uh, uh, spotify and they actually make no money um, they're responsible for bringing in their own advertisers, and uh, they try to partner with North American advertisers, and a lot of those North American advertisers will say no because of where they're from, and they consider them third world countries or whatever that may be, and there's talent oozing out of these countries also. And I go the country route because I am a product of diversity. And I think diversity, when people understand it, it fixes a lot of the shit that's happening in the world, Excuse my language, but it is what it is. And so, yeah, I, I saw that as an opportunity for real moods to really be, to take a step up and really help advocate for those that are screaming talent and just want to be able to uh, make a living for themselves because content creators to me are small businesses and they should be able to support their talent.
0: Yo, so I had no idea and- that just like differentiates you from from everything out there. Just that story alone, first of all, breaks my heart too, knowing what it takes to be a content creator and the kind of emotional and physical and resource and time investment we put into creating so that that creator is getting such outstanding traction and has such a difficult journey to monetize simply because of a geographic location is just beyond. And I'm so impressed with like your story that you just shared to me makes it like when I see these tech companies that do really excite me because it's exciting to see this technology for content creators to be able to share their art in a variety of ways but at the end of the day as far as I know they're just new types of tech to like okay if I want to live stream in that way if I want to like create a picture in that way if I but to to have this like have you ever read the book, Man's Search for Meaning? It's by Viktor Frankl, and it's about how he survived the Holocaust. And he talks about he survived the Holocaust by living a purpose larger than himself. And I feel like the purpose of Real Mood isn't just about being a tech company. It's not just about being a live streaming platform. It's about serving a purpose so much larger than yourself that can truly start to heal the world. So cool. Like, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I
1: think you you said it perfectly because I tell my I tell my staff this all the time, and I tell people close to me that are that know what I'm doing, and I say like, and, and I get, and I'm so grateful to be on a podcast with you to talk about this. But like, real mood is not about me. It's really about this infrastructure that's going to be the voice of so many different people that don't have the opportunity to, you know, get seen because of machines or corporate infrastructure or whatever that might be. And so I'm so glad you said that because that is exactly what it is. And I tell people all the time. I think my sole purpose in this world is to like help people because that's what I've been able to do so far. That's one thing I know I'm really good at. And so if my skill set can help bring in a marginalized community or a community that's not being seen or a set of people that's not being seen, like I'm, I'd rather spend 24 seven doing that than anything else.
0: And one thing I've been hearing a lot in my research has been how crypto and being involved in the world of crypto actually uh, creates opportunity for generational wealth that previously wasn't accessible in the ways that it's been um, structured until crypto arrived. I'm I'm probably not saying it in a very eloquent way, but yeah, (laughs) that. (laughs)
1: You're completely right. It definitely does. Because when you think about it and, and it goes back to the banks, it's not even about like, a, like a, a man versus woman thing. It's about banks, centralized banks. They didn't give you the opportunities because the person above those banks is generations and generations and generations of wealth the same wealth that's helped build the United States of America. So crypto is that opportunity because you can literally just find someone that's tech savvy, knows, uh, knows Solana, maybe knows Solidarity and, and some HTML and Java. It can create a whole entire currency, put some liquidity into it and put a really good purpose to it and you can help build a whole entire infrastructure, a country, a whole world. That, that opportunity is definitely there.
0: So I discovered Bitcoin when it was really new And I remember saying, and I like, of course, I want to like, you know, I regret this now, but how could I have known? I remember saying, no, I don't want to buy Bitcoin. I don't believe in like, taking so many gambles in the stock market. And I'm not looking for another stock market. That was what came out of my mouth when I first discovered Bitcoin. I'm starting to recognize it took me way too long, but I'm starting to recognize that it's it's nothing like the stock market. (laughs) It's an entirely different thing. Can you explain to everybody how crypto is not the stock market for anybody that maybe has the same thought that I had? I think, yes, you're correct. Crypto is not the stock
1: market, but it's even more deeper than that. You can't compare Bitcoin to the stock market because stocks are basically built and um, paired against actual real assets with an actual purpose. So for instance, you would invest in a company called Facebook, a Facebook stock, because the stock is part of the company bitcoin you're just investing into an asset that doesn't have a real utility or purpose i love bitcoin if you got an early hurrah that's awesome but really look into other blockchains that actually serve a purpose uh like ethereum ethereum is one of the smartest smart contract blockchains out there, and that is something that I would actually compare to the stock market. Actually, an ETF, I would compare Ethereum to an ETF because it comprises a multitude of different projects that um, only grow based off how it utilizes the crypto and the blockchain and the platform. In terms of the stock market, yeah, it's extremely volatile and it's hard to kind of grasp And the only reason why that is is because Bitcoin is the granddaddy of them all and Bitcoin is the leader of them all. And Unfortunately, the leader of them all is not a utility type blockchain. So you're always going to have that volatility of crypto because the leader isn't someone that's comparable to stocks. But I would consider Ethereum comparable to an ETF.
0: I mean, so cool. I'm sure there's so many people that have so many more questions. And I think it's incredible that you're building a live streaming platform on essentially what is not only today, it's already today, but it's still not entirely understood today. But it's to me, it's definitely the future and will be well understood in the future. So the real mood is built on this foundation is just extraordinary. How can people connect with you?
1: Yeah, definitely go to our website. We are literally looking for everything, okay? So we're looking for testers, early testers to test out the platform. We're also looking for uh, artist partners, um, partners partners that have an already um, good following, uh, media kits, um, editorial pictures, and obviously a music library and fans. We're looking for artist partners there because we have a really dope partnership program. We're also looking for developers, uh, blockchain developers specifically. That's in the United States. Please visit our website, www.realmood.com R-E-E-L. And I just want to I just want to explain why it's real because real liter- is literally moving videos and we're live streaming. So it's essentially live video streaming. And then the mood because we want, your, we want our users to feel in a certain mood whenever they visit our platform because it's invigoratingly friendly.
0: <laughs> How many people are on your team?
1: I have around, let's see, I think I have 12 people on my team right now.
0: And have you raised money? Are you self-funding? How are you making all of this come to reality?
1: Yeah, so we've held a private token sale where we sold our RealMood tokens to um, a lot of private investors. And also we just ended our public sale um, that we held in a couple of uh, other countries. Um, And so we've raised $250,000 right now. And now we are doing traditional fundraising with a couple of VCs. (laughs) Yeah, um, we're doing traditional fundraising with a couple of VCs. So we're getting ready to go into that due diligence round, which we're we're so ready because we've been fundraising what feels like forever since April, and so I'm exhausted. <laughs> fundraising takes the toll out of you, um. So we're just ex- we're just ready to get like that first step of like full funded and just thrive because we're we're excited. We're ready to come out.
0: That's awesome. Wait, okay. I'm so in the dark and I feel like half of our listeners are going to be like, Ispree, you are so lame. I already know this. And the other half are going to be like, I'm right there with you, Ispree. I don't get it either. How do you create a real mood token? So we got a developer and we had a developer create
1: uh, our smart contract and a smart contract, which is available. You can go on our website actually and see how it's built. Uh, But the smart contract basically gives a bunch of permissions, which allows you to buy which allows you to sell, which allows you to trade, which allows you to uh, stake. Um, and so that smart contract is basically put into a program called Solidarities. Um, and uh, you, the developer goes on and they, they, they run the code. And then they put that onto our wallet to deploy into a blockchain explorer called Binance Smart Chain. And then um, the token part is more so just a word rather than an actual token, but it's a token because it interacts as currency. And so we've gone through the route of pre-selling our token. We are going to list it on an exchange sometime this quarter. And then that's where you'll start to see the functionality of the token because you'll see people trading it back and forth.
0: What's a piece of advice someone has given you in your professional career that's really helped elevate youth as the years have gone on?
1: Oh, man. I don't know if I want to say it because it kind of seems very heartless. But the best piece of advice I've ever received in my life is don't run, walk, because you're not saving lives. (laughs) Which basically the hidden meaning about that was like, Don't stress yourself out over something you can't control unless you're literally a doctor saving someone's life. And I'm not in that position. And it didn't make me be lackadaisical about anything. It just made me put things in certain perspectives and priorities. That's all it was. But that that was the best advice I've ever received. That's literally helped me in my career.
0: I just finished listening to the book Effortless. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it was such a game changer. It's all about that. Like essentially, the slower you are, the faster you'll go.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm. 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 Very true.
0: I felt like it was a magical book that just made everything easier. <laughs> Things that I didn't even know could be easier all of a sudden after listening to that book. I'm like, oh, okay. Hold up. Let me just like tweak this, tweak that. I'm like, that is just so much better than what I was trying to do before. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: It, the efficiency of it all, like, and that's that's my whole thing too. Just being like efficient, and not and thinking smarter, not harder which is really hard to do for someone that over things.
0: What huge obstacle have you overcome uh, successfully? Like, what have you successfully overcome in your career?
1: You know, the entertainment industry, and I keep going back to that because I spent a lot of time in there. Um, the entertainment industry is really hard to overcome the different personalities and also um, roadblocks and things that come your way that you might not expect. Um, it's just really, it, you have to always on, be on ready and be willing to just adapt. Um, and so that was the biggest obstacle I had to overcome. I had to learn how to take the emotion out of it and realize it's just business. And then also be willing to adapt really quickly. Um, so I think because of that, it's kind of built me into, um, it allows me to be stronger for other people that might not be. and um, Because I know who I am and I'm very so comfortable in like my mission um it allowed me to really be strong I I would say that I wasn't who I am today 10 years ago I was kind of like a shy quiet person and the industry has kind of forced me to like definitely like bunker up and be strong and call things out when I see them when that's not right um and so yeah that's the biggest thing I've overcome that I think is uh, has attributed to a part of my success today or growing to a success
0: Like I'm currently teaching myself how to set boundaries. And there's so many amazing people listening to you right now wishing they too can become stronger, can not take any BS and speak their mind. But I'm sure that that wasn't easy. So what guidance would you give everyone listening to make it over that very first hump where they're just learning it for the first time?
1: For me, the biggest thing is having a a sense of the safe space. Having someone that you can go to to talk things out rationally because I'm also someone that gets heated in the moment and I can make irrational decisions if I'm not careful. Um, So I think the number one thing is having a support system or having a safe space where you're able to walk out different steps and different things before you... Before you before you react. Um, Boundaries was really important to me because um, I like to build a uh, I like to build a camaraderie with a lot of the people that I work with, because I like to say I'm not your boss, we're a team and I'm just a person that's coordinating the team together. But it's important too to make sure that people understand boundaries and boundaries are set there for a reason so we can move forward not to restrict and hold someone back. I mean, we deal with it every day. I feel like I wouldn't be able to confidently do that if I didn't have a safe space or somebody that's been there where I've been, like a mentor that I can always talk things out to. Because sometimes I don't have the answers to everything, but I can use someone else's experience or their references and pull from that to make a conscious decision.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that. And what is a tool or like an app, like a, a website or an app aside from Real RealMood that you can't live without that you recommend that we check out? There's an app called spark.
1: <laughs> it's a great email client and it's a smart, it's a smart email client because it will ping you on messages that you've meant to go back to, but you never had the chance to. So it's called a smart inbox and it will filter your emails for you, but not all the time. Like it'll give you your regular ordinary, like email collation Um, but sometimes the smart inbox will say, Hey, you forgot to respond to this email a week ago and it'll ping it back to the top. It's my favorite thing. It's kind of like a virtual assistant. Oh, nice.
0: (laughs) Wait, so Spark will find you the emails that you haven't responded to? Yeah. Yo, I totally need to install Spark. I saw Spark like a really long time ago and I, you know, it's one of those things. Last question. What book do you recommend that we all read? I'm going to plug my girl, Ebony K.
1: Williams. She has a book called Pretty Powerful, and this is specifically for women, but men, you should definitely read it too, because it's another insight to the women's intellect and brain. It just talks about using your powers as a female into the world, um, using it in both the business world, personal life, and everything, and understanding your power as a woman, and when I read that book, I get so invigorated because I'm like, women, we're so smart. We can run the world. <laughs> you know, so I love it because it just encourages me so much. So yeah, I definitely recommend everyone to check it out. Ebony K. Williams, who's actually now a new housewife on the real housewives of New York, but she's actually like a lawyer and she was on Fox News, and she's done so many different things with Revolt. She's like super smart. She's a member of Alpha Cap Alpha Story Incorporated, and she wrote this amazing book called Pretty Powerful, and she's just amazing. So I definitely recommend everyone to check it out.
0: What a great recommendation. Chantal, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up?
1: I want to say thank you so much for having me. Any opportunity Real Mood gets to go out there and tell people about what we're doing is a, is a very awesome moment. And we want to just offer you actually 100 Real Mood tokens on behalf of Real Mood for being an early believer and Stop. insider of our platform, <laughs> as well as um, a couple That's of your so lucky cool. subscribers. So we'll definitely <laughs> we'll definitely send you guys a link and maybe you could raffle them off to some of your lucky subscribers and give your subscribers yes. some Real Mood tokens. Pay to be early
0: <laughs> that is so cool that's so cool you know what's funny is the last thing i was gonna say to you is how do i become a creator on real mood like that's that's what's next for me i mean this sounds amazing so i'm excited to be be one of your next live streamers yeah you would thrive on
1: there for sure um we are looking for podcasters i have your connect so i'll definitely sign you up as an artist partner of absolutely absolutely no way no, no way i wouldn't
0: <laughs> i'm excited I'm excited. The last thing I want to share that I think is really important for for all of us listening right now is the way Chantal and I met. You, you probably don't even know this. So I'm pretty proactive on Twitter. The community is really important to me. And so, I mean, I know this sounds like such a hippie, but I, I legit spend on average like 15 to 30 minutes a day just helping people on Twitter. And you reached out to someone in Miami, who was tweeted something, I don't even remember what they tweeted. And you said, I'd love to have exposure for real mood. And I was like, well, I'm down to give you exposure. And then that's when I that's when I DM you, and I was like, here, here's some exposure. <laughs> and so it pays to be proactive in championing yourself, I think part of our culture as women is that we don't brag about ourselves as a culture. It's why I'm actually creating my new podcast, Brag Women Reaching Awe Inspiring Greatness, because I think we all need to brag. And um, to see you championing yourself on Twitter, I was just like, you go girl. And I was excited to, to have the opportunity to elevate you too, so yeah. A lot of it is uh, my PR and brand coordinator,
1: Alyssa, who's like, get out there more, Chantal. She's like the force of like PR. So 75% of it is her in my head saying, get out there
0: more. (laughs) Shout out to Alyssa. (laughs) Well, that's what did it. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome well thank you so much for hanging out with the women in tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world be sure to go to the community at women in vip.com that's women in vip.com say hello on social at women in tech show on twitter on instagram on facebook i will see you talk to you hear you in the next episode bye bye
1: Hey, guys, it's Chantal Anderson. I'm the CEO and founder of RealMove based in Los Angeles, California, where you can stream, watch and earn crypto. You're listening to Women in Tech.